what I have seen more, and I think it is, in fact, what I would recommend, is where there is not new functionality, not new scope, but old functionality that you don't want to break what people typically call regression testing, okay? I, I'm introducing this new piece of functionality, this new, this new option in my sales order process. That should work. Growing a business requires a holistic approach that extends beyond sales and marketing. This approach needs alignment among people, processes, and technologies. So if you're a business owner, operations, or finance leader looking to learn growth strategies from your peers and competitors, you're tuned into the right podcast. Welcome to the WBS Podcast, where scalable growth using business systems is our number one priority. Now, here is your host, Sam Gupta. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the WBS Podcast. I'm Sam Gupta, your host and principal consultant at independent ERP and digital transformation consulting firm Elevate IQ. Building a test plan is hard. Executing is even harder. And if you are building a test plan for ERP implementation, you have added challenges. The testing challenges are unique with ERP implementation because the users don't have as much experience with the software development lifecycle. They struggle with thinking like a tester where you need to plan for the edge and boundary cases and ensure that you are not going to find any surprises post your go live. But how to build a successful test plan for an ERP implementation without issues? In today's episode, we invited a panel of cross-functional experts for a live interview on LinkedIn who brings significant expertise to discuss ERP test plan best practices. We covered many grounds, including the importance of testing and how testing planning and execution are different for ERP projects. Finally, we discussed how to document, automate, and scope testing efforts. With that, let's get to the conversation. Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's show. And if you're joining for the first time, this is part of our digital transformation series for which we meet every Thursday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern. We pick one topic related to digital transformation and we always have an expert panel that is willing to share their insights and wisdom. For today, we are going to be talking about ERP test plan. And when we think of the test plan, I'm not too sure how many people really think the testing is going to be critical for ERP. A lot of business uh, owners think that, you know what, when you are buying an ERP, shouldn't it be tested by the vendors and why am I testing it? So we are going to have a lot of fun discussing that, why it needs to be tested. Before we do that, we are going to start with everybody's intros and I am going to start with my intro. If you don't know me, I am Sam Gupta. I am principal at Elevate IQ. Elevate IQ is the independent ERP and digital uh, transformation consulting firm. On that note, I am going to move to Chris for his intro. Good afternoon. I'm Chris Garardini. I'm the president and owner of Turnkey Technologies. I've been implementing Microsoft Dynamics ERP systems for the past 30 plus years. So testing and the word plan are very important in the world here. I'll look forward to the conversation. Okay, amazing. Thank you so much, Chris, for being here. Tom, can I ask you to introduce yourself next? Sure. Thanks, Sam. And hi, everybody. Tom Rodden. Uh, I am the former CIO at Varian Medical Systems. And uh, prior to my time 
working in uh, IT for Varian. I spent 10 years between PwC and Deloitte as a consultant on large-scale ERP implementations. And I, in a number of cases, played the role of testing lead uh, on the consulting side, supporting the organization and the project. So I have a lot of experience I think is relevant to today's topic and glad to be here. Okay, amazing. Thank you so much for being here, Tom. Uh, Dave, can I ask you to introduce yourself next? Sure. Thanks, Sam. Hey, everybody. My name is Dave Chrysler, and I own an operations consulting business working with manufacturing leaders to help them create the systems needed to grow their business. And I come to you with more than 20 years in the manufacturing space uh, in operations and implementing and testing ERP. So thanks for having me, Sam. Okay, amazing. Thank you so much for being here, Dave. Abu, can I ask you to introduce yourself next? Sure, yeah. My name's Abu, and I'm the president and founder here at Panny. We sell Sage X3 software, um, which, you know, for the food and beverage, chemicals, distribution, you know, whole swaths of industries all across North America. Test planning is something close to heart. My first job was actually as a test lead at KPMG Consulting, so I'm excited to talk about it today. Okay, amazing. A lot of testing experience in the room. This is going to be so much fun. Okay, so we are going to start with first question, and I am going to start with you, Chris, and that is going to be, let's say, if I'm the manufacturing executive, in my entire life, for me, the software was always, I mean, this is IT guy's job. They do something about it, right? And I just don't know what it is to be honest. For me, it is just, and uh, I don't understand the software development process, and I am trying to understand the importance of testing, my consultant is coming to me for the ERP project, and uh, they are saying that I am going to take nine months testing the processes or, or the product. So what is testing and why is it important in, in the case of it? Sure. Great, great topic, as I said. And I think as we talk about plans, so the testing plan, there's typically an absence of detailed plan. And why is it imperative is because, you know, it's, it's the pre-mission check. You know, you got to check everything before you take off because once you're in flight, Man, I tell you, it's after the go live, it's a nightmare to deal with problems that have been missed. And so as we talk about testing, it's, it can be comprehensive. And I think the problem is a lot of people and users say, go test it. They're like, okay, they don't know what to test. We assume they tested it. We didn't test it because they told them to test it. We go live and, oh, I didn't test that. Nobody tested that. But let's go through these scenarios. Um, I listed a bunch of them. First one, user access. Can they even log into the system? Oh, that's a good idea. Can they get to the functions they need to get to? So we're testing security. Okay, well, that's important. People don't think about that. They show up the first day and we're live and I can't log in. Um, data, data testing. There's a lot of data moving around. What does that mean, testing? And it's a lot of data. So how do you test it? You run validations. You got to run operations and look at, you got to look at reporting. You got to look at the data. You got to reconcile. So data, every process, every process, everyone. And so now we go back to the beginning of the project and who did a good job of defining all the requirements in every process. And now within each process, we've got scenarios. Scenario one, two, three, four, five. I mean, you know, examples of how you come up with the scenarios is grab grab a week's worth of AP invoices and pick pick five of every different kind that show up. There's an example of coming up with scenarios. Every weird, and then I got one in here. Then you practice the, the correction scenarios. Oh, Let's not assume that all the data is perfect. Let's assume something gets screwed up somewhere. Oh, I posted the invoice to the wrong vendor, then I printed the check. How do I undo that? Work through the correcting scenarios. Let's keep going. Two modes of it, with a consultant, without. Okay, so you need somebody to guide you through it. This is that knowledge transfer. Make sure you know how to execute the process because it's imperative to test it correctly. But you've got to do unattended testing. You've got to, you can't just test when the consultants are there. So that's enough. It's not enough. Um, you've got to measure testing. We actually created analytics that showed how many test sales orders operators were doing. Guess what? Some girl did 1,200. 
She was their number one operator. So you've got to collect results on testing, and you've got to have a debrief and a feedback loop. Perform for others. Nothing like a little of embarrassment to get people to rise to the occasion and be ready. Um, the weakest link. Understand that concept. Because when you go live, some people think it's like the baby bird concept. They jump out of the tree and they think, I'm going to fly before I hit the ground. Oop, and then they bounce and hit again. Don't, that doesn't work. You do not want a cliff implementation. That means you've tested so thoroughly that it's smooth. Other things, IT guys, workload. Oh, we're only doing a couple transactions. All of a sudden, we start putting 100000 in a month, and cloud, not so much of a problem. Failover, and then another one I noted is manual mode. Everybody goes, what's that mean? Unplug the internet and say, how do we do business? And these are all test scenarios. So most people think, and I don't even think about unplugging the internet and testing that. Um, the last one I put down here is I went back to reporting completeness. Because a lot of people practice through the implementation. They forget about reporting until they go live. And they go, oh, we forgot about reporting. Go look at all the reports. Make sure financials work because you're going to have some historical data. Run financials. Make sure everything ties out. Do all that before you go live. Integrations, customizations. Oh, baby. You know, we have a rule that you can't be doing customizations and fixing the system right before go live. You need at least a window that says freeze because you got to test. And if you get a customization delivered two days before go live, you got a problem. And so just the thoroughness, the integrations, customizations, and all of this talks about, is it a test company? Is it a duplicate instance of the system? So again, a lot of times a test company doesn't really give you that full usability. You almost need a dev or a test platform and a production platform. So that's a lot. Um, I'll stop there. So yeah, so I am hearing a lot of problems, obviously, and that's what I hear when I talk to IT guys. And you did mention that, you know, it's going to be a nightmare, let's say, if you put uh, untested system live. So let's say, you know, I am assuming that I am anyways going to have problems. So how about I don't test and go live and figure it out when I am going to get the problem? Let's I say if one. I follow this smart strategy, okay? <laughs> what can I expect? You know, and I think that's it, is you still may have a surprise after go live. But again, are you in the 1% range versus having a 12% gaps? And I'll give you a great example. We had a customer that I think I talked about this. They changed banks right at the 11th hour. Guess what wasn't tested? The check. Guess what? They went live. Guess how long it took to get the check to work for the bank? Six, seven weeks. <sighs> That's a perfect example of an unplanned scenario that shouldn't have happened because everything was tested except for, oh, let's change banks. Anyway, common sense, right? But what can happen? Yeah, you can, you can really complicate your business. And once you switch over to the other system, now we've got a data separation. Going back to the old system, like I said, there's, there's not a lot of good answers that you haven't tested thoroughly. Okay. Customer Amazing. satisfaction is the biggest exposure. I'm sure everybody knows that. Your customers can't know you're changing system. So like I said, take that hint. You can pay people slow, but you can't screw up your customers. Okay. Amazing. Thank you so much, Chris, for that. So Tom, I'm actually going to come to you. So I am probably going to have the same question for you. Why testing and why is it going to be a nightmare if I put an untested system live? Well, again, if you are... Very, very good, thorough, rigorous at your planning, test planning and general planning, then I don't think it has to be a nightmare. But it could be if you aren't good enough. And I agree with a lot of things Chris said. Not actually everything. For example, the idea that it be invisible to the customer. Um, I think at times you actually need to partner with the customer to test things that will impact the customer. But let's come back to that in a second. I, I think in general, the idea is right, though. Chris is right, you know, that you want it to be as invisible as possible. But but I think there are cases where, un unfortunately, you actually do need to make it visible um, and partner and test with the customer. But it's interesting. I, I, I really thought Chris hit a lot of the right notes. Um, I, I made my own little list here and I said scope and scale um, is one big piece you really have to understand. And in order to really nail scope and scale, you probably have to 
do some kind of process definition. You have to actually, you know, in, in the consulting world, people would talk about a, a process decomposition. But you really have to have a clear idea of what are the steps in each process that you're trying to enable with these technologies like ERP. If you have the steps, then you can build the scripts that you will use for testing. So I look at that as one of the key things. What, what is your scope? Is it manufacturing? Is it logistics? Is it the sales order process? What, what is your scope? And can you build the process model that then is the foundation for your scripts? So to me, that's number one. Um, and, uh, and, and kind of related to scope and scale is also the nature of the testing you're going to do. Everybody that's doing development or configuration in these ERP systems says, well, you know, as I, as I do the initial development and work, I'm going to do uh, basic unit testing. Yeah, that's fine. That'll get it from a development environment to a QA environment, let's say, where you, you have what people traditionally think of as testing. And then you have maybe the project team doing functional testing and they do strings. You know, some people call it string testing. You know, they'll do strings maybe within each function. So I'll do within manufacturing, within procurement, within sales order processing. You know, I'll do my string. But there is ultimately a third type of testing that would be uh, end user or sorry, end to end testing where I'm going to go across functional areas. Right. And I'm going to say I'm going to do the sales order uh, and then I'm going to do uh, the shipment, you know, and, and then I'm going to do the finance and collections uh, and so on. You know, I'm going to do end to end scenarios. So again, as you establish that foundation from a process model point of view, you can build the scripts, the strings and the end to end tests. But I think these are these are things that people sometimes only realize later on, particularly the end to end um, where you have handoffs across functions that may not be clean if you don't thoroughly test that. Um, so I'd say that's one of the biggest things, you know, really defining your scope and scale, getting your scripts, both the string test scripts and the end to end scripts nailed. I think schedule is something that uh, comes to mind for me. And I'm not just talking about the schedule, like are people available from the project team, uh, but also are people available from the business? And again, this goes to who are your participants? Are you going to be testing with the project team? Are you going to be including people from the business? And those are, you know, maybe uh, functional string test scenarios versus user acceptance testing scenarios. Again, you could be doing string and end to end in both cases, but participants may be different at different times in the project. So, you know, you have to take into account the availability of those key resources. I'm working on a project right now where we're conducting a cutover trial um, and I'm helping to lead that exercise. And right now there is a prior cycle of testing going on in parallel. So they did a cutover and they started testing. And while they're testing, they're saying, well, let's do another cutover and then we'll be when ready to test again when the, the testing is done. But unfortunately, there's a lot of resource contention, right? There is some of the same resources doing the last round of testing, current round of testing and the new round of cutover. And so you really have to think through schedule in many ways, both project resources as well as business resources. Um, Chris mentioned data. Uh, I, I won't go into detail on that. I, that's that's a, a whole can of worms that you know you have to deal with. I would say one thing about it that a great example of where we had to partner with customers was around uh, 
data and, and types of interfaces that the customers were dealing with. In some cases, they were, they were actually loading orders themselves into our customer portal. In some cases, they were sending EDI messages and we had to ensure that we could get uh, inputs from customers and we could simulate that. But at the end of the day, we really wanted them to participate to some degree in verifying that they had the access that they could perform some things that we thought they wanted, we wanted, needed them to do, they needed to do on day one. So again, it might have been limited and minimized, but we felt like, well, we have to really partner with them in order to some degree get them bought in and ensure that it's going to work. Chris mentioned security. Again, won't go into that. I think that's a big deal too. And, uh, and the last thing I'll mention is landscape. People don't always think about the fact that if I'm standing up a a test system or a QA system, there's satellite systems, there's a whole ecosystem that needs to be established. I might have a portal, as we were talking about a moment ago, that feeds sales order information into my ERP. There might be all kinds of systems in this larger ecosystem, not just the core ERP, that need to be part of the landscape. And, uh, you know, it, it sometimes becomes a real issue, like, which which environment in this larger ecosystem are we going to connect to the ERP for the purposes of testing? So there's a there's I mean this is a huge topic and I'll stop there, Sam. But a lot of a lot of things to think about. Okay, amazing. So you mentioned the over planning and for people who might not be familiar with that and how that relates with the testing, do you want to clarify a little bit more? Uh, sure, I'll say a few seconds. I guess just yeah. my philosophy regarding cutover, which is essentially system build and and data conversion it's really getting your system to the point where it it has the functionality the core functionality the code and the configuration in it and it's got the data in it that will enable you then to test properly um, so the cutover starts with system build and it, you know moves into data conversion and then uh ideally i think you do a cutover like that and hand off to the testing team uh, so they are using the code the configuration and the data that came from the cutover process that as you practice each test cycle. And again, sometimes you're, you're not ready. Your data conversions are not that successful early on, right? You have to practice these. You have to learn from your mistakes. And so you're still trying to test. So there's sometimes a cutover and you say, but I'm going to go ahead and manufacture some data anyway, because the cutover was not fully successful. And I need my testing to be fully successful or as successful as possible. So I'm not going to rely on the initial round or two of cutover and data conversion, I'm going to stage some data and I'll use that for my testing. That does accelerate or improve the success of your testing then later on, but it also is extremely dangerous because if you come, become reliant on that, you're not really testing data in your testing. You're testing stage data, not data that was converted from your legacy system to your new ERP, for example. And, and that's very important. So at some point, in some cycle, you really need to say, I'm going to take all that data we converted as part of our go-live process, and I'm going to rely on it for my testing. And if it's that's the that's the most robust way to check that your data conversions have worked, right? It's not about I I created a million records and I I, I plan to create a million and I created a million, so we're good. That doesn't tell you anything about the quality of those million records. When you test, you'll find out a lot more. So again, I. I look at those as two separate things, but they should work hand in glove. 
Okay, amazing. Thank you so much, Tom, for that. So, Dave, I'm actually going to come to you, and the question is going to be, why testing? And in your case, you have probably seen the nightmares of putting the untested code because you are the business user as opposed to being an IV guy. So, tell us, you know, why it is important to test. Yeah, I mean, I, I think both Chris and Tom have already nailed the majority of, you know, why and what can go wrong. And and yeah, to your point, I've seen it firsthand. And one of the things that, you know, both uh, Chris and Tom kind of talked about and, and landed on opposite sides, I'd love to weigh in in terms of, you know, whether or not these things should be seamless to customers. And and I can argue both points uh, because I've been on both sides of that coin. And what I really want to say to me, what it comes down to is how you are attacking the training issue um, and, uh, you know, rolling it out to the people that are actually doing these processes. So how well are you looking at that, you know, end to end process and the cross, uh, you know, functional parts of the process and following that data, following those processes through with with real live scenarios, back to what Chris had said, uh, because what ends up happening, at least in my experience, what I saw is that when that doesn't get presented in kind of the right light. So you're talking to your team about, you know, why are we making these improvements, listening to that feedback, listening to them throughout that testing process as it rolls out uh, into implementation and while you're doing those parallel testing, you know, kind of running two systems, uh, chances are you're going to start to get some negative feedback going out to, to your customer base, right? And then they start to see what the kind of internal uh, feeling is of the technology that's being implemented. And it starts to create this really nasty cycle where then as go live starts to happen, potentially if there are any hiccups with that go live between what was tested, what was agreed on, and ultimately what was implemented, if any of that starts to be customer facing, it's very quick for people to pick up on that and equate that back to the things they were hearing during that testing phase. So to me, you know, that's one side of of trying to make things seamless customer facing is that getting your team internally aligned throughout that testing process, making sure that you're listening to their feedback and making sure that you're pushing the issue of testing real life scenarios and not just testing for testing sake. And to say that you did it, you know, really confirming, I, I think, Chris, you brought up about, you know, actually having some structured KPIs in place for that. So you've got some, you know, so, some real metrics to take a look at and ensure that that stuff is happening. I think that's a, a huge way to avoid, um, you know, it potentially being a negative and it not being seamless to your customers. On what Tom was saying, the thing I would add to that is, is yes, 100%, there are time and opportunity, whether you're talking about uh, your your customers doing an e-com portal, let's say, or you're talking about your your vendor base, right? Having some sort of EDI transactions, like all of that needs to be tested in a real life scenario. So my favorite way to test was to after we've identified all of those processes that it's going to impact, start picking out those challenging, um, you know, the challenge jobs, if you will, the challenging parts to that process and recreate them in the test environment, see what's working, what's not working, go back and, and you know, if need be, you know, make some changes on the system side to be able to account for those, uh, you know, those those process changes. Okay, amazing insights there. So you mentioned a couple of things related to aligning your teams and KPIs as well. So have you utilized any specific strategies in making sure the team is going to test? 
in my experience, the team is always going to claim, hey, it's all done. It's all good. And then later on, you are going to figure this out. So what can you do to make sure that the team is really testing? By the way, before that, they need to understand the requirements. That itself yeah. is a big process. And then they can probably think about testing. It's really hard for people who don't come from the software development background or from the software background. So what have you done to to make team understand why they need to be testing and how they should be thinking comprehensively about testing? Yeah, I mean, it starts in the, you know, kind of discovery process of of what's going to ultimately be implemented, identifying the processes, identifying what, you know, what impact it's going to have to people that are doing that particular process. And also, you know, finding out what those pain points are, because potentially that's what's going to lead you to, you know, mapping out a, a, a more streamlined process. So to me, that's where it starts when it gets into the actual role of testing. Once you have a test uh, environment in place and ready to go. To me, then it comes down to doing, you know, kind of um, uh, a mirrored test, right? So you're, you're running your current ERP system and you're taking that process and running in parallel. Uh, you're running, a, you know, that same process through the test environment. So you're doing that on a limited basis because obviously you can't duplicate the entire workflow, um, you know, uh, I mean, without, you know, duplicating your workforce. So uh, you're doing that in a limited period of t- in, in a limited fashion, uh, but doing that and then also auditing. Right. So actually auditing and making sure that those uh, processes are being completed and having a regular feedback loop. So so being able to provide a platform to get that feedback and then do something with it, right? Get back to the implementation team on, hey, this isn't working. This isn't working how we expected. And then I think Chris made, you know, a great point earlier when he said, you know, it's one thing when you kind of start doing this testing and you pick all of the best case scenarios. And everybody knows that's not real world. So that's how we would identify those the anomalies is by doing that parallel testing uh, with your current system and uh, your test environment. Okay, amazing insights there. So Abu, I'm actually going to come to you. So you can either talk about why testing, why it is a nightmare, or you can pick up any stories that you have seen that became the night nightmare, or you know they could not understand why testing. No, I'll I'll take a little bit different approach you know yep. i'm going to talk take one step back and talk about testing strategy right so okay. a lot of times you know we get the idea you know customers come to us what to test how much to test right yeah and there's always testing is expensive right i mean chris just talked about a girl entering 1200 orders that's not cheap right she's at either automating it or manually it's a big cost so we have to figure out what's the marginal cost of testing right and it's yeah. the marginal cost of testing worth the benefit, right? So the first thing that we work with our customers is you know, let's have a test strategy in place. How do we determine how are we going to test this? In, right. So the first thing is, you know, you're going to identify business processes which have the greatest impact. You know, that can be a dollar-wise impact. You know, you have some customers who make up 20%, 30%, or 50% of your sales volume. And then you'd have some customers which are not even 1%, Right. And they may, all of them may have some unique scenarios. So the key thing, my opinion, my philosophy is we don't have to test everything. You know, we should be only focusing on the 80, 85% of the test scenarios, which make up the bulk of your, you know, the cost equation, the bulk of your business impact equation, the bulk of, you know, you know, how, how you're going to rate it on that scale. So, and it's okay to have issues, you know, after go live, you know, 
I've never seen a go live in ERP go live in my you know 15 plus years where there have been no go live. It always happens. It's important to plan for it. You know, if your if your customer calls you up and saying what the hell's going on, and you and you say, oh, it's my ERP, and we're doing a new ERP, you always get a nod and a smile and understanding, right? So, so that's in my opinion is how do we define the strategy, right? I see a lot of customers, you know, they want to you know test the heck out of it. Right, they they want to take nine months to test a system, but guess what? You know, all the effort that you took to write those test cases are no longer valid after nine months. You lost a key customer, you got a new customer, uh, which is fundamentally different, and now you never tested that customer. So it's important to have a happy medium. You know, it's you know you define your processes. These are the high impact in terms of time, dollar impact to the end customer, impact to the purchasing process, etc. And then you define a test strategy based on it. The other thing is, you know, how do we test it, right? So when you're buying an ERP package specifically, right, I'm not talking about the integration points here, but specifically ERP when you're buying something like, you know, Microsoft Dynamics product or a Sage X3 or, you know, NetSuite, whatever, you're basically buying fundamental stability of the product, right? You do not need to test each and every basic scenario in it. Right. So, for example, if you're going to create a sales order, the likelihood you will be able to create a sales order. Right. That sales order process is not going to fail. It's going to be those unique, you know, scenarios that those handoffs to the procurement department or to the purchasing or the picking department, which need to be, you know, trained and tested upon in the system. So that's my, uh, you know, approach is, you know, to have more end-to-end process testing, more you know, scenario-based process testing and then identifying, working with the business, you know, where's the dollar impact, where's the cost impact, where's the time impact, and then, you know, basing your testing strategy based off on that. Okay, so very interesting commentary there. And I'm definitely going to have to ask you to do a little follow-up on on that commentary because, uh, you know, you are definitely making uh, a lot of software developers uncomfortable there. Because (laughs) they like to think they are going to be testing every boundary scenario out there. Okay, that's what is software testing. That's what software testing means. And you are definitely going to make, my friends, Dave and... Tom uncomfortable because they are like, okay, uh, what am I missing here? Did I miss anything? Okay. They are going to test every single possibility. So here is the commentary, okay, based on the approach that you described. And the rest I can see, let's say if I follow the approach that you have recommended. You know how ERP demos work. Everybody knows that. Okay. Show everybody happy scenarios. That's what ERP demo is. Most basic fundamental scenarios that any any ERP on the face of this earth can pop up. Okay. That's what you see. But when you get to the real implementation, that's when rubber meets the ground, right? So in your case, you said that, you know what, test the most common scenario. So most people, when they go live, they are only going to be using the most common functionality. Okay, they are not going to get into the deep functionality until, let's say, about a year, six months, you know, two years. And then they are really going to be struggling. Imagine a possibility. I develop a form. Okay, you have a customization. (laughs) Now, tested it because I never needed it. Okay, now I am two years in the implementation. I need the form. I am trying to test it. (laughs) Holy cow, it breaks. So what do I do now? Yeah, so... (laughs) All the developers, and by that time, they forgot everything that they they had developed. So now nobody knows what it is. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, so I mean, I would argue, I mean, so ERP these days are not fundamental line of code, right? Nobody's writing code from scratch. You know, the software code, 
in most modern ERPs, the third level coding that we say, right? So it's not, you know, so you've talked about, you know, you get a, you get an issue two years down the road. You know, I mean, I would argue that's not an important issue if it's getting two years down the road. It's of a low impact issue. You know, the key thing is, you know, if an issue happens, is there a manual workaround around it, right? And, you know, if there's a manual workaround around it, then you can take the process forward, right? The issue here is not that you cannot automate 100% of your processes. You cannot have, think of 100 scenarios. 100% of the scenarios, right? If you want to take that road down, you make your system extremely expensive. You have a very long deployment time. People get tired and, you know, you still get issues, right? I will argue if even if you do that, you'll still get issues after two years, right? So it is finding that, you know, happy medium, you know, where the marginal cost of testing is not going to exceed the marginal benefit, right? So if, you know, if something happens after two years, so be it. You know, what's the manual turnaround? You know, what's the workaround? If you have a reasonable manual workaround, then it, you know, then you go ahead. If that issue is going to cost you millions of dollars, then that's a different thing, right? So then it, then it's a high impact scenario should be in your test plan. Okay. Right. Amazing. Thank you so much for that. Interesting insights. Uh, so Chris, I'm actually going to come to you and, uh, you know, we are all going to debate about this one. I, I think this is a very interesting insight. So and I am looking to hear everybody's perspective. Yes. Uh, I completely agree with what it was trying to say that you have to measure the financial cost of testing as well. I mean, you cannot spend $2 million just with every single possibility. I mean, that's a no-no for me as well, uh, you know, if I'm the financial executive. Uh, but at the same time, you need to test, okay? <laughs> so finding that fine balance, I'm, I'm, I completely agree with him. So the other, seg- uh, you know, uh, uh, the things that I really wanted to discuss is going to be, what is the structured way of approaching the testing? So let's say it was trying to say that, you know what, you have to have the end-to-end process. And let's say if I look at the data dependency that I am going to have for each of the scenario, probably I'm going to have five spreadsheets for each of the scenario, okay, just to build the data. And then I need to test that, right? So number one, what is the right way of sort of documenting the test scenarios? That is number one, okay? And number two, is there any way of automating the testing? In the software development world, you have a lot of different tools that you can use to automate. Have you seen any sort of automated testing in your world? Yeah, I have. And, and just to take a step back, and I'll address your question, but the customer seamlessness, that's not what I said. It was customer experience. And so right. not to have a negative customer experience, right? You can interact with them. But so as I'm listening to you guys, and I, and I wrote some notes here. So what are we really testing? Let's boil it down. Yeah. To Abu's point, you know, Microsoft Dynamics out of the box, I don't need to test their code. But what I do need to test, and so yeah. there are four categories. I had code. And if there's a customization, we're testing code. Do we need automation to test code? That's typically where the automation is at to test code. But the other things we're really testing is we're testing configuration, right? And I can take some data and put some data in there to test config for a process. Great. But again, back to how do we keep track? I got a, I got a document with every process and every scenario that I plan on testing. But we're testing configuration, okay? And that could be with data I type in. But then we got to test with the data that's converted. And then the, the other testing is for user knowledge, Abu, right? So to minimize and say, we're not gonna test that because we know that code works, I'm sorry, but I'm testing user knowledge because again, we go back to that, I go live. If they don't know what they're doing, who tested? So the testing has, as I see it, those different attributes. My testing code, you're right. Most of the stuff out of the box, it's, it's working. But we're testing configuration, we're testing data, we're testing user knowledge. And the things that I put here is feedback. You made a great point. Is there's a feedback loop? Because that's a breakdown, I think. And, and again, the documentation, the feedback, Adjust, retest, check it off. So again, back to this keeping track. And the other thing I was going to throw out there is, um, and I agree with super scenarios, you're right. Bob starts it, Bill takes over, Linda takes over. Boy, those are complicated, but you're absolutely right. You got to have the super scenarios in there. Um, 
And the code thing, timeliness. Yes, we have a 30-day clause in our MSA. Somebody showed up nine months later and said it didn't work. We're like, okay. Um, but the other thing I threw out there is learning aids. So if you think about just as we're talking about user knowledge, because that is a, the weak link, is just think about that. I know that Dynamics, the big product, has a task record, which helps people click through navigation to really learn a process, because a lot of that is learning. But I agree. Config, data, code, like a, a bunch of different stuff. So okay. But yeah. organized. You've got to be organized. And again, I started that first part with every process. Well, again, now we go back to the data. Every data entity. What are we? What are those key things? And again, is it spot checking? Is it sampling? Like I said, there's a lot of different scenarios, but there's still this iterative. Oh, well, go ahead. Okay, amazing. Uh, so I'm actually going to come to Tom. Uh, you know, for his insights overall in terms of the automated testing. You know, the heated debate that we are having overall in terms of uh, you know uh, how to sort of plan for testing because obviously if you are going to be testing every single scenario, it's going to be a nightmare. It's probably going to cost too much. So what has been your experience overall, number one, in terms of the documentation, and number two, it's going to be overall in terms of planning the automated testing. I don't know if automated testing is really possible in the case of ERP. Well, I've been involved in projects where we have used automated testing, and it's certainly possible. But one of the challenges with automated testing in a project is that the automation relies on a series of steps that might be laid out in the script that are stable. And as, as everyone said, you know, you go through cycles of testing in your projects or programs. And as you do, you learn, you hit errors and, and you correct. Uh, and that then involves rejiggering the uh, automation. If you've tried to build automated test scripts to do your, your testing, now, I always draw a distinction between new functionality, which goes through this evolution, uh, this maturation, and it will evolve and change over the course of your project to some degree. Just right out of the box, say, I know exactly how this is going to work. I'm going to do the configuration, maybe the tweaks, you know, the enhancements that Chris was talking about. I'm going to do this day two, and it's all going to be right. It's never going to change. I'll go ahead and automate that. If, if that were the case, yeah, you probably could introduce a lot of automation for these new areas of functionality. What I have seen more, and I think it is, it is in fact what I would recommend, is where there is not new functionality, not new scope, but old functionality that you don't want to break what people typically call regression testing. Okay. I, I'm introducing this new piece of functionality, this new, this new option in my sales order process that should work. And I can do the, the string test or the end to end test. And yeah, it all works. That's what I typically call positive testing, but there is, uh, other testing, you know, that shouldn't be broken, other scenarios that shouldn't be broken by the new one you just introduced. So. If those were already live, what, what I've seen at Varian, where I worked for a number of years, and what I've seen in my consulting days is where there's functionality already live and stable. Several months after go live, you say the system is working as expected. The system is now stable. I can create automated test scripts for everything that we just went live with. And as I introduce new functionality, I can do the automated test scripts to ensure that nothing that I introduce that's new breaks the old stuff that should continue to work. So that's how I typically think 
the automated test scripts and, and test functionality is best employed. It's for the purposes of regression testing, not for brand new functionality. So that, that's at least my take on it. Okay, amazing. Thank you so much, Tom. Uh, Dave, I'm actually going to come to you. So obviously, we are going to be talking about the strategies and the automation, if you have seen, or you can cover other point that people mentioned that, you know what, out of the box, you don't need to test, okay? But teaching somebody what is out of the box versus what is not, it's hard. I mean, I've tried it, man. It's just hard, okay? Unless you have done ERP for a very long time, you just don't know what is out of the box and what is not. So strategies, automation, or or this one? I'll, yeah, I'll yeah. I I'll, I'll, I have not had much experience on the automation side, so I'll leave that to the automation experts uh, from a testing perspective and, and kind of go back to where I started from the user perspective, right? To your point, uh, the people that are, are actually carrying the processes through that need to do the testing that are ultimately going to be utilizing the processes when the, when the system goes live, uh, you know, this is more than likely their first implementation, right? So, I mean, you know, being able to go through and kind of uh, articulate to them, you know, what, what, what type of functionality should be expected, they're still learning where to click. Right. So to me, that's the biggest key of going through this testing. And I go back to kind of what Abu said. And, and I agree. I mean, you can't you can't test. It. It's kind of like planning. Right. You, you, you've got that, uh, you know, um, uh, analysis uh, paralysis. Right. Yeah. So it's the same thing. You, ha you have to be reasonable with what your expectation is of testing. But that's where I go back to the the real world scenarios. And yes, you want to try to to come up with the outliers, but it's that constant going back to the people that are following that particular part of the process and, you know, not only documenting it so you can do the cross-functional testing, but just, again, doing that kind of parallel testing, I've found personally to be the most effective. You know, the other situation that I've seen come up uh, often, I'm sure everybody on this panel has, but typically, uh, in an implementation uh, in that design phase, you've got people that are really pushing for functionality and and recreation of old processes for for just kind of old time's sake, right? Doesn't mean it's best practice. It just means that's what I'm really comfortable with. This is a new technology. So I go back to when you're in that testing phase and you are in this iterative process of Get, gathering feedback, what's working, what's not working, what challenges are they seeing with, you know, whether that's number of clicks, whether that's where menus are located, all of that can come into play. Having that feedback loop built in so you can go back to development if need be, or taking that time to go through, kind of go the extra mile and explaining the functionality back to where you, you know, kind of started this, explaining that out of the box functionality and why we won't you know, go back to development and change that, why this is the uh, more accepted practice and, and really the best, you know, kind of new practice that we're going to be adopting <laughs> moving forward, you know, and, and sometimes there's those hard conversations, but that that's kind of, uh, to me, the most important part of the testing is going through those real life scenarios of, you know, kind of order to cash, right? And, and, and everything in between that to understand 
how is the system functioning with that out of box out of the box functionality if we've done any sort of integrations or any other type of um you know development because of our business processes obviously testing that those rigors and getting that feedback loop in that stuff has been the things that have gotten us over the finish line and have also allowed us to kind of navigate and talk through the challenges when people want to go back to the comfort level of, you know, well, hey, our old system did this. Our old system showed, you know, the report in this in this fashion or, you know, what have you. There's a million of those scenarios. Okay, amazing. Thank you so much uh, for that, Dave. So, Ebu, I'm actually going to come to you. And now we are talking about automation. And I'm pretty sure you are going to say that, you know what, if you have automation, then, then we can probably test 100%. But you know what? You're right. Automation has a cost as well. Automation is not supposed to be free because you need to pay for these programmers. So I'm actually going to agree with you again that, you know, you were saying that, you know what, you need to figure out your, your what is the cost of testing? And even in case of automation, I think you need to figure that out. So in your experience, you know, strategies for documentation, how do you document all of those lengthy scenarios the way Chris was describing? Talking about those is easy. Documenting them is extremely difficult in my experience. So any strategies for documentation or automation? So, I mean, so there are lots of tools out there. You know, as you said, you know, in the, there used to be Mercury Quality Center where you could document it. And then you can also use it to automate it. You know, right now, these days, Jira, Selenium, those kind of tools that you can uh, use to automate it. So in terms of, again, you know, it really depends on the project scope. You know, if you have a, if you're a relatively smaller company, it's a $500,000, $300,000 implementation, then automating you know, writing, you know, paying for a developer to write those test cases and the expense probably not worth it in terms of automation. You know, if you are doing, going to do a customization, a significantly large customization, for example, you're going to create a new module which does not exist in the, in the ERP system. And, you know, you have to develop it for your, from a business necessity perspective. Then probably, you know, automation is going to make sense because as the ERP system upgrades, then you do not want to test those 100 order scenarios manually again and again, right? But then the data is fixed. So it makes sense when the business process and the data is fixed and you can do it on a repetitive basis. If in the instance where you have to, you know, keep on defining new data, new processes, then it becomes um, extremely expensive. So for us, we use tools like Jira uh, in terms of documenting. We would, uh, you know, write down, you know, all the entry points, you know, high-level descriptions of the test cases, where is it going to start, what is the scenario you're going to test, and how it is going to pass through the different phases. And then, you know, we use, you know, tools like Jira to assign those test cases to different people. Uh, one thing that we have found is you can have all the tools that you want. Getting people to actually enter data into that tool becomes um, very hard. People just don't do it, right? And you have those KPIs and everything, and then they'll still come up with an excuse not to enter. Either they're too busy, their current job does not allow it, et cetera, right? Unless you have a full-scale testing team sitting over there. So one thing that we really found helpful was using like a help desk kind of tool, you know. So we have defined the test cases. Now, instead of going to the system and logging it, they send an email, the test defect automatically gets logged, right? And then that's how we start doing the defect tracking. And then, you know, we can assign it to our internal teams, the consultant or the developer team or the configuration team, and then take it that way. That ensures that, that those test defects and cases are not, you know, lost in uh, emails or in uh, Excel sheets somewhere. Right. So that's something that we found really useful is in those help desk kind of tools, defect tracking, uh, for example, in Jira. 
Okay, amazing. So I am actually going to have a follow-up question for you. And uh, overall, I think the tools are great in general, right? Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I think where I have seen people struggling in general in capturing the test cases is going to be number one, documenting the data. Because in, let's say if I'm testing a web app, okay, mm-hmm. it's just easy. You have one data point, you have one field that you are testing, okay, you know one result. In case of ELP, you have million possibilities of the test scenarios. So how do you sort of create the boundary uh, from the data perspective? And how do you coach somebody how to basically write the, the test case? Because you have to have the prerequisite for the ERP scenario. When you are testing something in finance, you know, all of these things need to be set up from your sales to whatever, you know, you might be yeah. testing. So how, how do you document that? Yeah, I mean, so from my perspective, you know, again, it's that, you know, we encourage the users to think what's the most, you know, what drives your business, right? So you're a salesperson. That's where it starts. You know, a major business process starts. What drives the sales process? What kind of sales processes do you get? You know, what kind of sales orders do you have to enter? So is it, you know, do you order from stock always? Do you do, you do custom orders? Is it a mix? Is it, you know, so those are the business processes that we want to talk about, you know, do, do a certain kind of customer has priority of the others, right? So is that order going to cause a disruption in your manufacturing system or something? So that's, you know, where we start the process from. And then the next line, you know, for example, if the order is going to impact manufacturing, then that person, then those two people have to sit together and write those orders, right? So that the the starting point and the handover points are fairly tested, right? So that's the approach that we take is, you know, the next person should be always be there. And then, you know, finance typically, you know, depending on the kind of ERP software you're using, if it's, you know, if it handles everything from sales to manufacturing to, to finance, then they are the, at the end, that's who they are seeing the process, right? How is it, are these processes impacting my finances is it getting quoted to the right gl accounts they look at those front-end test cases and then you know they write their own test cases to figure out the uh, you know the financial impacts of those processes i mean one thing that to keep in mind also is your processes are going to change you know when you have a new erp implementation you cannot think about your old process because the old process often may no longer apply, right? So, for example, you had a manual sales process before. Now you have, you're doing it in the ERP system, for example. You know, you may not be picking product before, but now the ERP system is doing automated picking for you. So, you know, so you also have to think not just from a prior software. You have to think, okay, you know, this is how I'm going to do it in this system. These are the key scenarios in my old system. How does it translate into the new system? Because a lot of those problems are going to go away but some new ones will come up, right, as you implement the ERP system. So it's really, you know, having the originator of data and the handing over of the data. Those two people must be in the same room or collaborate to write those test cases. Okay, amazing. So we can take a couple uh, free flow comments if you guys want to address anything that has been discussed so far, just because we have a little time. Chris, Tom, any any short comments? Dave? Well, I have one or two thoughts, Sam, that we haven't maybe hit on yet. I'll just throw them out and people can react or add more. Back to back to the the customer topic, you know, or vendor, you know, any other partner. Uh, you know, I was thinking about that some more. And, and maybe I misunderstood you, Chris, initially. Uh, so apologies for that. But I was thinking, you know, there are even more uh, reasons than, than we've talked about, like um, just, you know, EDI testing or portal testing to be uh, letting customers know uh, that we are in the middle of a big ERP program and we need you to be aware and maybe partner with us in some way. One reason is to de-risk your program. It's good to let 
people know that you are taking on a big change um, and that there could be some disruption. I've been at a number of different clients, consultants, where we did the big ERP implementation, and they went further than just notifying customers and informing them and trying to de-risk in the sense of uh, if there's a little hiccup, you know, they, they won't get jumped on as much. Um, but uh, in fact, people saying, I'm going to actually encourage customers to uh, pre-buy some of our products, uh, stuff the channels a little bit to minimize risk. And I will actually offer them a deal. I will be very proactive about filling the channels to minimize the manufacturing, logistical, you know, sales order processing risks as I go live in the first days or week. And so that's that's a, a, a serious conversation that you take up with customers, for example. And I have seen companies do that and, and be pretty successful at it and be proactive in that way. Um, and there are also uh, other reasons where you're just, hey, you're creating some new functionality. That's actually an improvement. Uh, sometimes uh, we're going to create new forms uh, for our invoices and we're going to address some customer issues that people have had in the past, things that were confusing. We're going to make improvements on the customer portal. So there's greater visibility to inventory than there was in the past um, and, and other things that we want to proactively communicate and, and impact things in a way that's going to be welcome. Um, so that was one topic that was kind of banging around in my head. Um, and the other one we typically talk about on calls like this or webinars like this, Sam, is um, sort of the, the war stories and, uh, you know, what can go wrong? You know, when, when does it become a nightmare? Uh, and uh, one or two things that occurred to me were um, uh, workflow and, and email type messaging. When you're in your test systems doing testing, yep. uh, there is functionality that you need for production, uh, workflow functionality. I need approval messages to go out to people internally for for expenses the cost center owners need to basically say yes i approve this purchase order i approve this purchase rec i approve this expense um and these are maybe senior people in the organization and you don't want your workflow to be switched on in the normal way at least if you want it on at all uh during early testing and maybe throughout your testing and sending off lots of messages that are really test data driven, not production driven to executives and various people. And similarly, there can be messaging that's going out even beyond the four walls of the enterprise to customers or vendors. And you don't want EDI messages going out uh, or you don't want email messages going out to your partners from your test systems. And so again, I've seen where people said, oh, darn, or, or other words, as a raft of messages went out to executives or partners and they said, you know, now we were scrambling to say, oh, you know, first switch it off. Second, let let the, these people know they can ignore all of that. Um, so those are some of the things that can be very embarrassing and disruptive. So a couple of thoughts. Could not agree more. Chris, do you want to so do you have I, I like the de-risk, Tom, and I think is is you along that customer experience comment, the thing I didn't mention is it's almost user performance testing. And I think as you look at customer facing, customer service facing, where I was really going is where I'm I'm trying to give an order. I'm sorry, I'm on a new system. Oh god. I don't want to hear that as a customer. So time trial these people and give a prize out to whoever's the fastest, most accurate. So that's a way to get them testing is 
you know, incentives. But I think this is, to your point, it's a great, uh, you can get positive spin off of system changes. It's that negative spin we want to mitigate is really where we're going, but good comments. So. Okay, amazing, guys. So the only thing we can take right now is going to be closing advice. So, Chris, I'm uh, going to start with you. Closing advice, please. You can never test enough. And again, it, it, this is, but I'm back to user knowledge. So again, configuration, once you get past those things, the rest of it's all about users. Just stay focused. Okay, amazing. Thank you so much, Chris. Uh, Tom, uh, closing advice, please. I think it all begins with process. Uh, my, my opening remark was do your process decomposition and you can build your scripts and, you know, everything flows from that. So I'd say that's that's a key starting point. If you do that right and well, you'll you'll have a chance at success. Okay, amazing. Thank you so much, Tom, for that. Dave, what would be your closing advice, please? And make sure you get people involved early and often. Make sure you build in a feedback loop throughout that testing process. And I would also say to Tom's point on the process, make sure you don't overlook some processes that uh, you may think you've got a handle on and you may think are not a big impact until you go live and you didn't do any testing. And then you're in the oh darn moment, as Tom says. Okay, amazing. Thank you so much, Dave, for that. Abu, what would be your closing advice, please? So, uh, I mean, my advice would be, you know, have a test strategy in place, have a risk-based approach uh, to testing. And I think one of the key things that I missed saying was, you know, have a collaborative approach with your consultant, right? So the business knows something and then the software vendor knows, you know, they're doing it the same thing in different kind of industries or the same industry. So that's the collaborative approach to develop those test cases often works. Could not agree more. Thank you so much, Abu, for that. And that's it for today. If you joined uh, for the first time, this was part of our digital transformation series for which we meet every Thursday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern. We pick one topic related to digital transformation and we always have an expert panel that is willing to share their insight and wisdom. And so make sure you guys are going to be here next week. We are going to be here with another uh, topic. On that note, once again, thanks, everybody, for your time and insights. Thank you. Thanks. I cannot thank our guests enough for coming on the show, for sharing their knowledge and journey. I always pick up learnings from our guests, and hopefully you learned something new today. If you want to learn more about Tom Rodden, follow and connect with him on LinkedIn. If you want to learn more about Chris Garadini, head over to turnkeytech.com. It's T-U-R-N-K-E-Y-T-E-C.com. If you want to learn more about Dave Chrysler, head over to thechrysler.club. It's T-H-E-C-R-Y-S-L-E-R dot C-L-U-B. If you want to learn more about Abu Asif, head over to pennymanagement.com. It's P-A-N-N-I-M-A-N-A-G-E-M-E-N-T.com. Links and more information will also be available in the show notes. If anything in this podcast resonated with you and your business, you might want to check other related episodes, including the interview with Bob Feathers, who shares his insights and lesson learned from a multi-site ERP implementation. Also, the interview with Rich Said, who describes his journey and the pitfalls of implementing six ERP projects throughout his career. Also, don't forget to subscribe and spread the word among folks with similar backgrounds. If you have any questions or comments about the show, please review and rate us on your favorite podcasting platform or DM me on any social channels. I'll try my best to respond personally and make sure you get help. Thank you, and I hope to catch you on the next episode of the WBS. Thank you for listening to another episode of the WBS Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform so you never miss an episode. 
For more information on growth strategies for SMBs using ERP and digital transformation, check out our community at wbs.rocks. We'll see you next time.